everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando and we're on episode 330. Yeah. 330. 30 episodes into 300. And it felt like a while ago, I was like, man, are we ever going to reach 300? And then boom, here we are just blowing past it. And, uh, 330 episodes into Pure Hustle Podcast, and one of the topics that always comes up either with questions or just frustrations that we deal with on a regular basis is the crazy customer or the customer that ends up being a bad uh, customer or causes problems. And it comes up from a couple different ways. Like Sometimes it's people who are afraid of reselling. They're afraid of kind of going bigger with reselling or taking that step because they're nervous of what happens when I have a really, really bad buyer. And they've got this idea in their head that there's just so many of them out there and that almost every experience you're going to have is going to be negative. Uh, And if you've been a seasoned reseller, you know, that's really not the case. Now you might have some of those instances that are so severe that it can can make it feel like it's almost all consuming. Uh, But the reality is, you know, this is like what 1% of the buyers. I say it's even less. I titled the episode, the 1% of buyers. I don't even think it's the 1%. You know, I it, it is right now. I will say there's been an uptick. And, you know, I think it's just signs of an economy that's, you know, not doing so hot. I think it's the people, Karens are multiplying. <laughs> they're multiplying. People are more concerned about what they're buying. Uh, and, and a lot of it, too, is, you know, there's a lot more people going online, right? So you're going to have a lot of people that aren't necessarily familiar of how things work online and, and they may ask a ton of questions or, or they may think that everything works just like it does in retail where you can like destroy something and you can return it like Costco, right? Costco, you can like bring, uh, <laughs> I know a dino buddies, you know, half of it eaten and then they'll still take it back. You know, I don't know if they do that anymore, but, uh, it's, it's right. You can't do that. Like if you bought something on eBay, and you return it, chances are if they're a top rated seller, they're only going to give you 50% off or 50% back. So we wanted to give you an expanded edition. We did a mini so to check our mini so it was a quick one, like how to deal with bad buyers. But this is the expanded edition with a lot more added. But one of the easiest ways to stop any problems you will have is to just make sure you're doing things right from the beginning. Yeah, like the old saying that a uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And it's so true with so many things in life, right? Like if you can, if you can prevent the problem in the first place, like doing regular maintenance on your car to prevent it from having a huge breakdown. Like if you never put oil in your car, it's like, oh, it's kind of expensive. Then when your engine completely goes out, you're like, oh, well, this is a lot more expensive than just, you know, doing the oil. Or you just don't do your oil change. I think most people have oil in their cars. Yeah. But if you don't do it, no, if you don't do your oil change, you'll run out of oil. You'll run. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The point I'm making though is if you don't do the maintenance, you, you're you're going to have a much bigger issue, and it's kind of the same thing with with this. Like you gotta you gotta be preventative and try and stop the issues with bad buyers if you can, so that way you're not even dealing with it when it potentially could come up. Agreed, agreed. And so one of the first ways, and I'm gonna put this all together, and then we'll expand on it, is make sure that what you're sourcing, you're able to deal with the problems. You know what I mean? So for example, I sell a lot of vintage clothing, and a lot of vintage clothing has holes in it. It has a tear. You know, I sell a lot of uh, 
old vintage trains and I, you'll be shocked if you check our instagram i'll sell some that are missing wheels i'll sell some that you know are wooden and there's like piece of it that have been broken off but they still sell for good money and i don't have any problems with it and the reason being is that you want to make sure that you're accurate from the beginning especially now ebay has 24 pictures right and and i'm not saying take a picture of every single flaw but if you pick up something that has a lot of flaws, you want to make sure, number one, that you max out your pictures, right? You you do the best you can. There's also videos. You can shoot a video of the entire product. I can't tell you how many times I've sold, for example, luxury brands like a Gucci bag or or a certain pair of shoes that were $500. I remember this pair of Gucci shoes uh, that were vintage that I sold for about 300 something. And I did a whole video like now you can upload on eBay. And so they got to see every single part of it, right? There's no excuses left. You're not going to have that person mad at you saying you try to hide this and, and you were trying to be deceitful. No, you, you showed everything there. And so you want to make sure that you're accurate because it's that one time that you're not accurate, that you're going to get that negative feedback that you can't remove. You're going to get that, you know, rant from a buyer that's saying they want all their money back. It's, you just need to be careful. I, I find that if you're moving too fast, at times, that's when you get those bad listings and you're like, wait a second. Did I really put that to right hand baseball glove when it's actually left hand? Right. right. And luckily, you know, you catch it hopefully before you ship out. But sometimes you end up shipping it out and you don't find out. So you get an angry buyer on the other end going, oh, wait a second. I, I missed that there. Yeah. And, you know, rightfully so. They'd be angry when it's when it's your fault. Yeah. So sometimes slowing down is, is useful and, and just taking your time. The next thing that that's really important is. Uh, kind of having a really good reputation and doing all of the things that is going to set you up in order to uh, have eBay willing to side with you and to kind of eliminate the customer problems in the first place. So a uh, big part of that is being top rated seller if possible. So if you can get to that top rated seller, which I, I talked a couple of episodes back, like there's, I, I've kind of switched my resale a lot more. My reselling has been local as opposed to on, on eBay and almost without knowing, I mean, I've met all of the metrics, everything is fine except for like, the total number of sales in a year, which isn't a lot, it's like a hundred. A lot of my transactions though, I've, I've been putting bigger things and kind of push, pushing bigger things. Mm. And so I haven't really been doing like qual quantity sales, but like, you know, quality sales. So I'm like getting to that point where it's like, oh man, like I, I could potentially drop under depending on if like I had a good month and then this month wasn't as good as this month was a year ago. Um, and so, but it's really not hard to get to that top rated seller market. And what top rated seller does for you is it, it, one, it builds a reputation for you. And two, it allows you to have more flexibility with eBay when you've got these issues that come up uh, that they're going to be you're going to have some ability to you know, offer those partial refunds for eBay to side with you and offering returns. Um, you know, Orlando would say free returns. I'm OK with just returns. Uh, one of the things that eBay told us is if you do 30 day returns, uh, then you are you've got seller protections. There's more things that are available for you tools you can use in order to remove negative feedback, to deal with an angry customer, to call eBay and handle. You've got those seller protections if you're offering returns. It doesn't have to be free returns, uh, but those free returns do help too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they can help if you get to a place where you know this customer is upset, you offer that return, they decide to leave a negative feedback. Every single time in my experience, I know Orlando, it's, mm -hmm. it's been the same way. When you call eBay and you say, Look, uh, these are the messages we've had. I offered to return. Uh, I offered to you know pay for shipping, whatever the situation was, and they left me this negative feedback. 
it, it's always been removed. We've never had we've never had one stick when we've done our due diligence. Yeah, and I take it to the next step of free returns. The reason I do is because I want there to be zero excuses on the part of the buyer as to why they can't return an item and why that negative feedback should stick. And so give you an example, uh, this last, I had mentioned this in a previous podcast, I sold a pair of Hoka's on, on Bonanza for over a hundred dollars. So this isn't even eBay related. Okay. For over a hundred bucks person got them and he's like, and they're like, uh, he or she, I don't know, said, Oh, these are used. I want to return these. And I was like, Hey, it was in the description, but no big deal. You could, return them. Well, they ended up opened up a case on in PayPal saying that, you know, the item wasn't as described and so on. So I was able to give my end. So what I did is I went and I created a label on pirate ship and I contacted the buyer and I said, Hey, I'm going to send you a label. Just, you know, you can pack it and you can ship. It doesn't cost you anything. You just got to drive over to the post office. And so I put that in PayPal. I put my label. I put the fact that I offered a free return. I did all that. And the buyer, I don't know what, what happened, but PayPal only gives people five days to upload the tracking from when you return something. And so the buyer never uploaded the tracking. And after five days, PayPal said, the case is closed. We were rolling your favor and that's it. Right. Never, never heard a word, never heard. And by the way, I need to avoid that label. And so again, there, there's no blocks. There's no, I, I don't know if I can, that that's a, $30 return. That's a $40 return. You know, the only bad side, like we've mentioned before is if it's, you're selling larger items, right? So you're selling something, for example, I just shipped out a, uh, AC unit and the shipping on that was a hundred dollars. So I am right now, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the days. I'm hoping I never get the message of like, Oh, something's not right with it. It doesn't work. I need to return this. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to take the return, but I'm just going to refund them. I'm not going to have them ship it back. Right. And so there's a possibility of being scammed, but I will, I will, I'll side with Mike here. You know, all the time we hear people on the forums, you know, the rabbit hole of negative uh, sellers that go like eBay always sides with the buyer. I have not found that to be true. As long as everything is accurate and you have reached out to the buyer, you've offered returns, I would say, especially free returns, and your feedback is great, like you have 100% or you have a 98%, whatever it is, eBay will side with you. And so that 1% buyer, that one buyer that is going to try to do everything they can, right, to just make sure that you, <laughs> your business suffers, will end up losing every single time. Because if you got all that right, you're going to be good. And I'll, I want to give one more example. So recently, I've been getting these, these buyers that leave me positive feedback, but it's negative. And it's like, I don't understand. And and I shared with this on the Discord the other day. So for example, I had somebody say, thank you. These particular little cars are not worth anything. I do not recommend these to anyone collecting Hot Wheels, not seller's fault. And I'm like, what? Okay, that, that doesn't look good. And then I got this other one. Uh, my only complaint was a horrible packing job. When you sell something to someone, especially around Christmas, you should take the time to ensure it's packed appropriately. The hodgepodge mess of boxes and tape you used. By the way, this was a camera. I don't even know how that happened. Now, I did float the box. I probably. Yeah. I mean, 
when when we Franken box some stuff, I could imagine if someone gets it and all they've ever received is boxes from Amazon. Yeah, yeah I understand. Like, what is this? But here's here's what they said. They said the hodgepodge hodgepodge mess of boxes and taping used was terrible. I had to cut the camera out. Well, good. I, that means it was protected, and put it in something nicer. Oh, so you wanted me to give for it? That, that's that's the thing I'm getting from here. Outside of this, the product is fine. So I got these negative feedbacks. So I called the eBay. I'm like, listen. These are positive negatives. There's something we can do to get these removed. And so one rep just removed the comment. Let me keep the positive feedback. And the, the comment I get from the rep every time is, wow, you have, you know, you're a top rated seller. You have a hundred percent positive feedback. We know that this isn't your track record. So yeah, well, we'll remove it for you. And the second one, they just completely removed the feedback from there. So again, yes, being a top rated seller and offering returns will go a long way. What do you think about this next one? I put ignore troubling messages. Do you agree with that? Or do you think you're losing out on sales? Yeah, I think there's a, a point that it, it becomes an issue. And I think you got to find the line of what is annoying to you and what is actually maybe a red flag. So sometimes it's annoying when somebody asks a question for something that maybe you didn't put in the description, like uh, a certain size or fit or coloring. And you can be like, oh, like this might be a problem buyer. But the reality is sometimes if somebody's going to spend money on something, they want to know. Like a lot of times when I buy things on OfferUp, the number of times I send it with a question like, does it have this piece or uh, does it come with this? Or I ask those questions because I need to know, am I, am I getting what I think I'm getting or am I going to drive out somewhere and this is not you know, what I want? So it's acceptable for your buyers to ask questions. So it might be annoying and that's not necessarily a red flag. Now, it starts to become an issue when there's those red flags of... Um, does this fit more like a, a you know, a, a larger medium? It's like, you might be able to answer and say, well, here's the measurements. I don't know how it fits. You know, everybody, everybody has a different uh, you know preference on clothing fitting. So, uh, use the measurements to determine. Um, and then if they continue to ask, well, what about the color? It looks a little bit more like a green than a beige. Would you say it's this or that? And then <laughs> is that, is this staining on the, and up. they just can, and it's like question after question, then you're getting to the point where, okay, yeah, one, it, they, they are potentially setting you up for an easy INAD, right? If, if it ends up coming to them and they say, well, they said this, and then it's actually like this, um, or two, it's you're dealing with, and I hate to use the term because I'm I'm trying not to be like derogatory, but the quote unquote of like the Karen, right? Of the person who's like very needy. If you got a what is needy, the male version of a Karen? I don't know. The Todd? Who knows? Something know. like that. It, it's all the same thing. Okay. You know, just a just a needy customer. Let us know in the comments. A person who's just being super obnoxious and needy because you know that those are the kind of people who they find problems with everything. I mean, I was just talking to somebody who their neighbor is like one of those people that call the HOA. Every day, oh, every day, those people. every single day. And it's a different issue. And the HOA, it's almost like a, like a joke for like the people who are like, okay, you know, or they send an email every single, there are people who are, that's their thing. And so when you start to get some red flags like that, I think it's best potentially to ignore them because then they might just go away. And if it's really, really red flaggy, uh, then it might actually be worth blocking this customer because there's the difference of, hey, this is like a thousand dollar item I'm selling. And so somebody's going to be dropping a lot of money. So I'm definitely understandable mm -hmm. that somebody's going to ask some questions before this goes out. Yeah, if but it's it, a, like a, I would say if it's under $50, yeah. to me, 
you got to measure your time too. Right. Is it worth your time yeah, if you're to go out in your inventory, bring it out, measure it, and message and take pictures? It's just a lot of yeah, time. If it's a $20 item and the person is continually asking questions, it's it's not worth it at that point. Like, you know, does this clamshell clamp tightly or is it a little bit loose on the left side? I used to have one. Okay. Is that your it's voice? Not worth it. yeah. <laughs> is that the. I don't know. <laughs> no, but, but I would say if it's somebody that has been a repeat buyer or they buy a lot, it's worth it. I just had somebody buy six Hawaiian shirts at one time and they said, hey, there's this other shirt. I, I wear a 2XL, but it's 3XL. But I just want to know, is it a big 3XL or can I maybe, you know, wear this 2XL? Now, if that message was the initial message before they bought anything, then I would have ignored it. But the fact that this person had bought a lot of my you know, inventory, I, I made sure I took the time. I went out, I grabbed, I grabbed one three XL, and I grabbed, uh, grabbed a three XL shirt, and I grabbed a two XL, and basically the three XL was you know over the top of the two XL, and you couldn't even see the two XL anymore. So obviously it was a bigger three XL, and the and the person's like, hey, thanks so much, uh, looking forward to doing business in the future. So then it's worth it. But yeah, if it's if it's beforehand, you already know it's gonna happen. And it's and it's wild to me. You know, sometimes I get these messages that are like, I you know, I'm really planning on purchasing this, seeing this. Can you uh, make sure you check this? And I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone out, I've done the measurements, and I'm like, all right, I'm waiting for them to pay, and then crickets. Crickets. Crickets, crickets right? So there you have it. Hey, but there is one way to make sure your packages do arrive safely. MrAmericanBubbleBoy.com. So if you haven't yet uh, purchased any, you know, bubble wrap from them, definitely worth your time, worth your money. It's free next day, two day shipping, local pickup. Uh, they are consistent, uh, quality and shipping time. So check them out, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Go to the link below and, uh, you know, you could order that uh, four foot, 750 square foot or 700 square foot roll. Uh, it's still a deal, $39.99. Even with inflation and everything, definitely check them out. Go to the link below. All right. Let's talk about responding. Yeah, this is this is the part where uh, you know you really got to be careful with, and and one of the the number one ways is is you've got to keep your cool. And again, go back and check out our Monday mini episode where we talked about this, uh, you know, a little bit in depth, specifically about like some of these topics here. Uh, but it's really important that you detach yourself from the situation and you don't look at it as a personal attack. That that's the number one thing, and this is something that. You kind of got to tell a lot of new resellers, and the longer you do anything, you start to get callous to it. Um, I remember, <laughs> it's true. I, I remember, you know, as a uh, working, doing uh, um, lots of what do they call it? Upset uh, phone customer call center. Yeah, it was a call center. So d- dealing with upset customers occasionally in the call center. The first few times, it's like you feel like you're being attacked, and it could feel like almost overwhelming, and you're like stressed out. But then after a certain amount of time, you become calloused to it, and mm. you just realize like. I've got this upset customer and then 30 seconds after I end this call, the next upset customer is going to call and we're going to start this all over again. And it's not really aimed at me. And you kind of got to look at it that way with these kinds of things. These people are usually not upset really with you, even if they're personal attacks. Um, and and so you just got to be calm. And the main reason you got to be calm other than just your personal like sanity, because you will start to lose your mind if you start to uh, focus on and take personally every single one of these attacks that can potentially come towards you by a customer. Sanity aside, not losing any sleep, it's really going to help you out when it comes to dealing with eBay. If you've got a customer who is just barrage of of angry messages and they're accusing you, and every single one of your responses is professional, calm, cool, collected, uh, it's going to go a long way. 
mm-hmm. and your business, uh, your, your business and you should be professional. I kind of look at it like, uh, when I'm driving down the street and there's people like driving, uh, work vehicles and they're branded, you could tell most of the time they, they tend to drive a little route. bit more appropriately. But sometimes when it's like a, you could tell this is a small business. It's probably the business owner that's driving this truck right now. You could just tell it's a small business and they're like driving crazy. And they're like, if they flip people off, you're like, yeah, I would never do business with that person. Like they're not acting professional right now. And you're a business when you're doing eBay. Has that happened? That'd be pretty wild. Like the Google one. No, well, that's what I'm saying. It's usually not the uh, big businesses. Like it's a lot of times it's yeah, like yeah, small, yeah, true, like true. somebody's, you know, like car mechanic or auto detailing or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, where they drive crazy. Yeah. Where they're driving yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and you look at it and you're like, you're, you're representing your company right now and you're not being very professional. And if I called to get a quote, I had, I've had that before too, where you're calling you to quote on something and they're kind of being snarky on the phone to you. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. I'm not doing business with you. So you, you want to make sure that you're being calm and cool because then if you do have to call eBay, you're much more likely to have them side on your side mm-hmm. because you know, you, you haven't been unprofessional. You've done all the things you need to do. And a lot of times just a little bit of time and being nice, not being condescending, but being actually trying to be nice to your customer. I, you'd be surprised how many times you end up getting apologies where people will come back and say like, all right, you know, I, I, maybe it was a little bit over the top on that. Sorry about that. I wasn't angry with you. I just, so you, you're more likely to win them to your side of, of the situation. If you're being nice, than if you're being condescending or you're being rude, you're just putting up a, a much bigger wall in between you. Uh, and then more likely you're going to get a negative feedback. And if you're trying to avoid something like a negative feedback, the last thing you want to do is just throw salt on the wound that the customer has. Like if they think they've been wronged because something broke in, in transit and you're blaming you know, them and saying like, well, I don't know why you're talking to me. This isn't my fault. And you're just making it worse being unprofessional. You're, you're getting that negative. So just be calm, be cool. You're more likely to keep your sanity and keep your positive feedback. Yeah, I just just remember they see everything. Okay, so you you need to. It's it's just it's interesting, I, and I get it. I understand the frustration. You know, you get those rants sometimes when people say your stuff is fake or that your stuff is worthless. I can't tell you with all the vintage stuff I sell, I get messages all the time like your stuff is fake, your stuff is garbage, and it's like hey, you just develop a thick skin and and you don't deal with it. And now if it's a buyer that's bought something, and they get it, and let's say for example they do say it's fake. Your response it should always be, you know, hey, you're welcome to return it. Here's the link. That's it. That's it. Don't get in a conversation about why it's real or why it's not real. Because most people, when they already have made up their mind that something's fake, you're not going to convince them that it's real. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're going to go, you know what? You're right. I, I totally missed that. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget. I had a North Face jacket one time, which you always got to remember when things are counterfeited, it has to be something that is on mass that people are buying, right? Nobody, nobody's going to, you know, counterfeit like an eBay open, you know, like this cup, no one's going to counterfeit, you know, a, uh, uh, I don't know, nightmare before Christmas sweater. Like there, there might be some out there, but it's not going to be mass produced like Louis Vuitton fakes or Nike fakes or any of those. And so, you know, I had somebody say your North face jacket is fake. And I said, Hey, I'm sorry, you know, that that's a conclusion you came to. You're welcome to return it. And then they started saying, I'm going to report you to eBay. You sell fake, uh, you know, merchandise. And I said, listen, uh, here's the return link. And then I just left that at that. And, you know, that's it. And I I think at that time, it was my early days of of full-time reselling. So I called eBay. I just said, hey, just heads up. Look at the messages. Person is accusing me of being fake. I have 100% feedback. 
I've never had you know any kind of viral for selling fake stuff and they're like oh no problem you're good you're fine this is why mike and i talk about how your feedback and offering returns you want to look how to put this you want to look that as a person that is just integrity all the way through right because ebay is going to side with you on that even if you get accused of selling fake stuff now if there are, you know, you sell, you know, you tr- you're trying to sell medical stuff and it gets pulled down and you get in trouble or or you end up, you know, telling people, you know, no returns. I'm sorry. It's going to look like you're hiding something. And then that's when you get yourself in trouble. OK, now I we've said this real quick. And in the last minute, so, you know, do not be uh, quick to admit guilt, but be apologetic. Right. Because you don't know. Right. An item can get damaged and it may not have been that you packed it in a certain way. They may have damaged it. Right. But you don't ever say, I think it broke when you opened it, which has happened. I've had people like with clothing, they'll take a pair of scissors and they've cut a piece of the shirt and they'll show me. And I said, hey, listen, you're welcome to return it. Like, I, I, I'm not going to accuse them of anything. The line I use the most is I'm sorry things didn't work out. It's so big. But, you know, it just it pushes in the direction of, listen, we're here to take care of you. Send that send that item back and then we'll go from there. But don't ever go like, oh, it's it's completely my fault. Uh, you know, unless it's your fault, unless it's yeah. clearly your fault. And even if it is your fault, a lot of times, I mean, if it's something you've done and and it's, you know, terrible, of course, you can admit fault, apologize. But a lot of times it's if they're saying you didn't take pictures of this. The soul is falling off or this is happening. My go-to line is, you know, I, I'm sorry or I apologize that it arrived damaged uh, or not in the condition that it was sent, something like that. Because then you're not saying, hey, I, you're right. I didn't take a picture of the fact that there was a scratch on that side. Because maybe there wasn't one. If it, my, my thought process is if I didn't take a picture mm. of it, if I didn't take a picture of it, that's then it, good, it probably didn't problem, exist. Yeah. So unless you know when i go to ship something out i see oh you don't my tell goodness them you're crazy you're seeing things right so i i say you know I, I, i'm sorry it was arrived damage or you know something like that because you're, then you're not taking the guilt yourself you're, you're not saying oh i'm sorry i i should have taken a picture of that or i guess i missed that like that's the worst thing you could do oh i guess i missed that when i was listing it because then you're admitting that you made the mistake ebay is going to side with them 100 mm-hmm. percent. it's an ad. but if you say it arrived damaged then then it's on it's it's on them or it's on on shipping and it's not necessarily on you. You're willing to make it right. You're willing to do the return, the refund, whatever it is, but you're not saying, "Hey, uh, this is my fault. I did this." So be apologetic, but don't take fault because the moment you take fault, sometimes people think like that's what's they're they're trying to be kind and and they think like that's gonna win the customer over, but you're just giving them ammunition for an item. Correct. So and I would say ninety nine percent of the time. I always get feedback of this item was better than described. This looks new. It was supposed to be used, but it seems like no one ever wore this. But I do get the messages with vintage items where it's like, well, this shirt's a lot more faded than I thought, or this has a lot more wear than I than I expected. My response usually is, I'm sorry, the item did not meet your expectations. You're welcome to return it. And that's it. And that's it. And I, you know, I'm not saying it's been perfect, but it's been pretty close. I haven't had any issues because again, you always want to make sure, right. You under deliver and you're over promise, right. You don't, you want to go, this is the best looking shirt, or this is the, the one I can't, I always, I always harp on this one. Don't ever put excellent news condition because one person's definition of excellent is different than somebody else's definition of excellent. Right. 
I might I might differ from you a little bit on the that. I know we talked about that in the past. The, yeah. The under promise and over deliver. I think overall that's not a bad thing, but I think you should you should uh, be accurate, right? We talk about being accurate, yeah, so yeah, you shouldn't say it's bad if it's good. Um, if there's no scratches, you should say that it's you know no scratches on the the disc or whatever it is. So I think you should be accurate, not under promise, and be like it's in it's in rough use condition or has no. lots of wear or something. I just does. put has some wear. And just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's fair. Um, so the next one that, that's pretty important is l- kind of less is more when it comes to the messaging, whether it's before the, the customer buys it. And again, that's a little bit different. If, if I'm selling something for $5,000, I'm more willing to spend mm-hmm, quite a bit mm-hmm. of time with the messaging back and forth uh, to really make sure that everything is right. If they request more angles and pictures and videos, I'm willing to do that because this is a, this is a big thing. But um, less is more, especially after the fact, when when a customer sends you a three paragraph, four paragraph rant about something, whether it's the way it was shipped, the way it arrived, whatever it is, your best bet is to use one of those phrases we've mentioned in the past. Um, I'm sorry that it arrived damaged. Uh, I'm sorry it didn't meet your expectations. Here's how you can do a return. And if they want a refund and you have a policy for that, you can just deal with that or just say, I'm sorry, uh, I don't do refunds. And then just move on. You don't want to address everything necessarily in the email. Uh, not doing a refund is not an option, by the way. Yeah. You must offer returns. No, but I'm saying you could do a refund. Oh, no, you could do a refund, but not, I'm not saying I don't do refunds. You said I don't do refunds. No. Oh, yeah. I meant to say I don't do returns. So okay. um, if they if they ask or I don't do. Yes, you could say I don't do refunds. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. okay. So I do a return. So if they're saying, hey, can you give me a 50% refund? Ah, okay, right. Okay. You might say if your policy is, no, I only do returns. I won't. I won't do just like a partial. That's what I meant. The okay, partial okay. Is oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to do a partial refund. I'm only going to do a return. Which is a good return. way of doing things. Let's land there for a moment. Like you'll get people that are fishing for that partial, right? The 1% are the people that are fishing for that partial refund, right? They, they won't tell you they want a return. They'll just say, Oh, I noticed that this was here. Right. And, and when you're brand new, you'll automatically, you're going to want to make that right. You're going to go, you know, like, let's do a partial refund, blah, blah. But a lot of the times, if you push the envelope and you say, hey, you're welcome to return it for a full refund, it, they actually will go, uh, a lot of the times they'll go away. Yeah. And that's fair. I, I feel like most of the time that that's good. I've done partial refunds on, on various things. I, I remember one time, and again, it was one of those things where it was my fault. Uh, I sent, um, like, somebody bought four boxes of Department 56, um, what are they, trees? And so each box of the trees had like four or five trees in it. And I took pictures of one of the boxes. I opened them all up. They all looked good. They are all the same. Made sure nothing was broken. The person bought all of them. Well, one of the boxes didn't have the snow that was like underneath like the the packaging so mm-hmm. that you can put on the thing. And they're like, hey, I just want to let you know one of these didn't have the snow in it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what am I going to do? And so it's like, well, like, would you be willing to, you know, like, would you take a partial refund on this? And then they're like, sure, that works. It's pretty cheap stuff. I can just go buy some. And I'm like, okay, what sounds fair to you? And they're like, I don't know, knock $5 off. So like that works instead of just doing the complete. See, but I would say that's not the 1% buyer. That's not the 1%, you know right? I mean? So yeah, so that, that you got to, this isn't like a, a hard and fast, you can only do it. There's going to be scenarios where, hey, sometimes a partial is is worth it. Um, but yeah, less is more. So don't address everything. If they're talking about the way that their, their USPS person sucks and then the way it delivered here. <laughs> and then if they're talking about this and they're talking about the packaging and then they're talking about the damaging and they're talking about like you took too long to respond to them and they're just give them the one thing because the more you do, it's just like uh, like a lawyer would tell you, uh, just don't say anything. Like, the, as much as you can, 
say, say less because when it comes down to it, each one of the things you say potentially could be something where eBay could say, well, technically you did say, you did admit that uh, you didn't take that picture or you, uh, you know, you didn't send it as, as early as you could have or whatever the situation is, just less is more. Um, be polite, be, be short, and then just move on, be professional. When you're, when you're dealing with customer service, you don't really want them to be asking about your life anyways. So don't be telling them about yours. Just keep it professional, move on. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, and this, I'm just going to reiterate this, just stick to the business. If you can just make sure you focus on the item and the transaction, then you should be good. When you bring in everything else, that's when you end up having problems. Hey, and by the way, if if you ever you know want to get a little bit more feedback on, on how to deal with the bad buyer, we have a lot of these discussions on Discord. Right. We have a different segments. We have a question segment. We have a lessons learned. And and it's just not the Mike and I show. Right. It's it's everybody in the discord contributes. And I would say I think some people do a far better job of of contributing certain items than I do or than Mike and Mike does because they know of a certain niche or they they've maybe dealt with the same problem. Right. And so in community, there's a lot more ability to arrive to a proper answer. So if you haven't yet, uh, you know, jumped onto Patreon to just support the podcast, I invite you to it's five fifty five a month. That's less than 18 cents a day. And it, with the bonus you get with that is you get to be on the discord uh and join us there and it's a thriving community mike and i are there uh constantly just you know having a great conversation whether it be about a bolo a hustle of the week a problem buyer reselling news you know just there's some crazy tips like we uh, i just figured out how to uh, remove smoke from an item with the special device did it work I uh, so I know how to do it. I just have to do it now. You gotta test it out. So I gotta. I have like a bunch of like smoke stuff throughout in different piles. Mm. So I'm gonna try to put them all together and see if it works. You've got smoke stuff piled with non-smoke stuff. That's uh, no, no, idea. no. It's no. It's in, no. It's in. It's in the garage. It's like in this. It, it. It's not that. It's in. I have. I have those two shoes that I put in the in the freezer. Remember, because somebody said try it in the freezer and it didn't work, mm. but they've been in the freezer ever since. And then I have another one that's in this part of the garage that I don't go to and I have to like move some stuff. So I'm going to try that. But anyways, I would have never known about this device, which I'll get back to you guys. And, and once it works, had it been for the discord, no one, no one on social media is talking about this, maybe in a Facebook group. But right, you've never heard it. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. no one's talked about this. Yeah, I mean I haven't seen yeah. So yeah. Specific so you know, you sign on Patreon and get that special knowledge on the Discord. <laughs> all right. Hey, by the way, uh, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on all social media. We are also Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. Uh, you can always uh, give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. Actually, two of our hustle of the week today are gonna be from uh an email that email. we received. Yeah. So thank you for emailing us. And also you can jump on over to YouTube uh, and subscribe if you haven't yet. If you've just been listening to the podcast, come check out our mugs. Uh, hit that like button and that bell notification so you're not missing any episodes when we drop them. Uh, you know, I'm going to start trying to do some YouTube shorts here again, uh, get things moving. And also, if you haven't had an opportunity yet to jump on over to uh, the podcast uh, side of Apple iTunes Writer Review, uh, that would be great because it always helps us. 
I was just looking out. We're uh, trying to connect something with another uh, YouTuber. Mm, so nice. It's not going to happen today, though. But That's OK. <laughs> OK. So anyways, uh, if you haven't yet, uh, jump on over because those reviews always help us. I just wanted to share a couple of those real quick, uh, because whenever people write these, they, they always help. Because it lets people know, hey, what am I looking for? Is this podcast even worth it? And even though we are the largest reselling podcast out there, the most reviews, still people are like, kind of like, huh, do I really want to listen to Pierce Podcast? And if you write these, it definitely helps. So let me just share uh, the last three. We had one from, well, we had a, we had a few recently. Okay. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to uh, Picker's Corner. Went from slow sales to... Oh, it doesn't tell me the rest to average. I said, love these guys. I don't know how many times their content bumped me up on buys that made me money. Def a must if you're just getting into reselling. I think I benched, listened to them for two weeks straight. Thanks, guys. Nice. Two weeks straight. We do have that many episodes. It's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, after that amount of time, man, our, our uh, voices would just be like drilled in your head. I appreciate that. I, you know, I did the same thing with Scavenger Life. When I first discovered Scavenger Life, I listened to every single episode. So, And I encourage you guys to because it's it's great to listen, not, not just because it's going to bump up our numbers. But there, there's a lot of stuff that we've shared that maybe we haven't shared again. All right. Or you also get to see how recently has changed. Yeah. If, you, if you're tired of only getting an hour and 15 minutes of reselling <laughs> content a week. And you're like, you know what? I could go with, you know, a few hours a week. We've got 329 episodes in the hopper plus Monday minis, plus some bonus episodes, plus rap videos and Monday and, and Saturday garage sale hauls on YouTube. The content's there. Go check it out. Uh, and, uh, and, and too, it's fun to interact with, uh, our listeners who listen to old stuff and tell us like, Oh, you said this back in episode 132. And yeah, so go so check it out. This one, I, lo I love it when I hear for also from people have been reselling far longer than we have. Right. Because it, 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 it gives us, I, I feel it gives us street cred, but not only that it's encouraging because sometimes I go, I, I want to make sure that our audience is everyone. Right. And so, uh, this comes from, uh, Donnie, uh, dip it. Edo, so Donnie D from Philly. Okay, Donnie D from Philly says listening daily. Favorite podcast anywhere? Wow, wow! Thank, Thank you, man. appreciate yeah. that. I love listening uh, to Orlando and Mike during my nightly hustle. I only found the podcast a few months ago, but I've made it through over a hundred episodes listening to them in reverse order. That that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah, um, I've been selling on eBay since nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen from the from the beginning. Yeah, that's OG. That is OG. And yet I learn new things daily from these two hustlers. Wow. I'm just, I'm just shocked. Thank you all for uh, the motivation and laughs. This podcast has been a priceless source of knowledge to me uh, to help build my business. Your fan in Philly, Donnie D from Donnie Dixon Sadic. Donnie right. Dixon's Attic. Donnie D. Donnie D. Thank you so much. And just one more. This is uh, from Moke's Market. I uh, said, I listen every day on my way to work. I am such a new reseller and have learned so much from Mike and Orlando, by far my favorite podcast. So that's, that's awesome because you have somebody that has been reselling. What is that? How many years is that? That's 20, at least years, 20 plus yeah, years, 24 years. Okay. And then somebody who's just brand new and both, you know, are able to gain knowledge. And, and even Mike, I, I always say this, Mike and I have learned so much more from the podcast, uh, just from the connections we've made, just from the discord, uh, just from different events, YouTube comments, YouTube comments. Yeah. All the time. YouTube comments. So appreciate all of you tuning in. Thank you so much. All right, are we ready to talk about some uh, some scores here? Oh, we're ready. Come on, hustlers. 
It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. And these are from emails. Two of them, Mike is going to share are from emails and there's some pretty interesting ones. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I just want to make sure they have their name in it at the bottom before I, uh, I say it. So this one comes from Eric, uh, which has an Etsy and uh, Instagram uh, store. So a store and then a thing. So it's at Holy Crow Vintage. So Eric says, hi, just started listening to your podcast and I'm enjoying it very much. I've been selling on Etsy at Holy Crow Vintage for about three years now. So go check out the Etsy store. That's something I want to like get more into is potentially consider yeah. Etsy. Uh, uh, very part-time, but I'm planning to go full-time this year as I will be retiring from my full-time job. Congratulations. That's a that's a cool thing to be retiring and, and then to keep that hustle going. Uh, so continuing the email. I would like to submit a hustle of the week. The time Seth Rogen sold my ashtrays on Etsy. That's a great title. The time Seth Rogen sold my ashtrays on Etsy. I had a stacking set of brass hedgehog ashtrays, a classic mid-century design by Walter Bose or Boss. When I picked them up for $5.99 at St. Vinny's, I had no idea what they were besides brass and vintage. But soon as I was informed by Google that I had something good and I listed them uh, at the going rate of $400, they sat for a couple months getting occasional faves then one weekend, while on a rare road trip, my phone uh, sorry, I lost my voice. My phone blew up with faves on the ashtrays for like six an hour for several hours. So much that I got curious and did a search of the news on hedgehog ashtrays. Turns out Seth Rogen had made a video of his new favorite ashtray of the day, the stacking hedgehogs, the and how it was yeah, and how it was a great set for smoking with friends. Sold that weekend for full price. My wife and I say, go hedgehogs when we head into thrift stores now. So thanks, Seth. <laughs> Keep up the good work. That's great. I love that. They're like, all right, go hedgehogs. Like, you're hoping for another hedgehog. So Mike and I don't advocate smoking and stuff, but... It, yeah, speak it, for yourself, man. A cigar every <laughs> once in a while, you know? I, okay, okay, okay. All right. But anyways, I, I was fascinated by this because I, you know, you just Google what he says. Google told me otherwise or something like that. I wonder, like, what is he talking about? Yeah. So, so I just Googled hedgehog ashtrays and I am fascinated. Like there's even like tutorials on like, here's a real one. Here's hmm. a fake one. And and the the what these go for is just wild, like four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, uh, six hundred dollars. Take a look, one three hundred and ten. It just it's it's all over the place. But yeah, that's wild. But it's uh and and they're so unique. They're cool looking. And it seems like a lot of them are on Etsy, huh? Like when you're when you type that in, because you just pulled up Etsy, right? Yeah, correct. And so Etsy well, just comes. Uh, what up. about eBay? Are there like a lot of eBay listings? I don't know. Let me let me see what comes up, but. You know, I just had a cool thing. So that, that just goes to show, I mean, the hard part is I sent Orlando something the other day, something that happened in the news. And then there was like a bunch of things got sold because of it. And so like I sent it to him like, man, uh, and, and we're not talking about the uh, Splash Mountain thing. It was something else. Uh, but it's so crazy. And I told him, I was like, man, I should have thought about this. I always think about it too late when something goes big in the news, like you got to capitalize on it. And that's the time to buy a bunch of stuff if you can and then sell it. And he even made the comment like, yeah, but the chase can get, you know, it gets hard. It gets, it gets it is. tiring because you know, you're always looking for that thing. But if you can, if you can pay attention, sometimes it's luck. But, you know, we're coming into the Super Bowl is going to be coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Those teams that are going in there 
If you've got that stuff, that stuff's going to be selling. So you might want to make sure you're checking your prices now. Same thing with other things. As things happen, as new movies come out, you're like, wait a minute, why did all this Disney whatever stuff start selling? Oh, they just announced a new movie of it. So keep an eye out a little bit for the new stuff. That that definitely helps. So I think his sale, right? It was $400 that mm-hmm. it sold. I think his was the right timing. Timing. Right? Because I'm looking at comps on eBay and I mean, there's $100, $80, $50. Uh, there's 125. So it's not, they sell for more on Etsy. So that's one thing we haven't talked much about how certain vintage items do go for more money on, on Etsy. Uh, but at this, I think it's cause you know, there's less supply on Etsy than there is on eBay, but I think his sold at the right moment, right? Like, so there, if we did a terror peak, I'm sure it would have showed like a peak and then a crash, right? You know, so you just never know. So you never know. Pay, pay attention to trends. All right. So thank you. Who, who was that again? Uh, so that's Eric and the yeah. store on Etsy, which I'm going to check it out because that's one of the things he's obviously selling used stuff on Etsy because I've thought about doing Etsy, like getting a 3D printer and making some stuff. But uh, apparently you can you can do vintage or just uh, going into garage sales and thrift stores and sell stuff on Etsy. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. $400 hedgehogs. So good job, Eric, <laughs> so, at Holy Crow Vintage. All right. So this is from uh, our Discord. This next one. This is from Go Hustle LLC. So made in electronics, a uh, bulk buy at an auction. Hey, that's one of the things we, we need to go. You know, I think there's a live auction near where we live. We should try going sometime. Huh. Uh, of two big Gaylords. So if you don't know what a Gaylord is, it's it's not just somebody from, you know, I, it, <laughs> there, there's a movie, right? The Gaylords, right? No, it's there's huge boxes. This huge box. Okay. Uh, and what they have is most of the time when you think of Gaylords, you think of like used books. Okay. This, this was electronics. Uh, so purchase these huge two Gaylords for less than a dollar an item. Okay, so you can get a lot of stuff at auctions, especially if they sell by the Gaylord. So three of these items that he paid less than a dollar for uh, in less than 24 hours, they were, he sold, this is interesting, three Oki, OKI, Microline 320 Turbo Dot Matrix. Remember Dot oh. Matrix? Uh, were you alive when Dot Matrix was around? Yeah, you were. Uh, printers sold three of them. Remember, paid less than a dollar for each of these. And sold for $375 plus shipping. So in total, I think the, the buyer paid like $500 something. So yeah, this is great. So if you haven't caught our mini-sode, we just had a mini-sode about where to buy items. And we listed out one of them was auction houses. If you can find an auction house, right? Or even online auctions, you can get some great deals. There's more competition, especially if they're online. But if you can get Gaylords uh, in these auctions, you can definitely get some great scores. So thanks so much, uh, Go Hustle LLC, for sharing your dot matrix sale. That's great. All right. Our next one uh, comes from Alex from North Carolina. Alex says, hey, guys, came across a woodblock print by Paul Jacolet. I don't know if I'm saying that right. That yeah, he, right. he's a, I, I'll explain later, but go, keep going. So it was at an estate sale. So despite being pictured on the announcement post, that's the worst. You know you're not getting that stuff, right? That stuff goes fast. I mean, even if you're early, they usually want a lot for it because they think it's worth a lot. So pictured on the announcement post and was waiting behind 20 other people to get in. The print was magically still there. That's crazy to me. And I picked it up for $40 that Friday. Saturday, I put it up for auction on eBay for about $140 and accepted an offer for $5. Hundred and fifty dollars plus shipping within hours. Holy smokes! Yeah, and, and you gotta know your art, right? Oh yeah, and you know I looked into this person. It's so it's uh yeah, it's Jacques from Paris. 
born in Paris, so you're right. Uh, and, and did a lot of work uh, in the early 20th century. Uh, you had people like Greta Garbo, Pope Pius, Queen Elizabeth that were collectors of his work. Hmm. So now, and here's the thing. I can't tell you how many times, you know, you ever seen those samurai swords like at garage sales? Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, those are probably not worth anything, right? That's maybe what people thought when they saw Like swap meat, like uh, swap meat stuff? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I've seen woodblock print sometimes because I'm I'm a history guy and I'm like, yeah, there's no way that's real, right? But you just never know. Like you watch the Antiques Roadshow where somebody had uh, some pottery from like the Tang Dynasty that's worth like $100,000, like. Jeez. but this is Jackalay, which is a great artist too so uh that's uh yeah that's a great hustle of the week that, that reminds me of like seinfeld vandalay isn't it like oh, Van- yeah vandalay he's a he's importer exporter yeah, import, Im- exporter. import exporter i love how how seinfeld did that joke the entire yeah. like nine seasons no, that's right? great that's great i'm an import exporter all right well thanks so much for the emails and for sharing with us those are some great hustle of the week all right yeah. what's, what's your hustle of the week all right let me pull it up right now so i have the, the actual exactly what it was so a while back i sold um or i bought for pretty cheap, um, um, I want to say they were a dollar each. It was three packs of labels uh, selling. Like, what do you mean by labels? That's what I'm pulled up. I want to I actually like get it right because I haven't seen them in like it's been a couple of years now. Okay. Um, and I'm going through my store and I did what we talked about last uh, episode of like refreshing stuff that's over mm-hmm. 90 days. And so these have been in there for a couple of years and haven't sold. So I've been updating a bunch of stuff. Well, these were just Avery Matt. Oh, it was photo paper. So it was uh, 50 sheets of photo paper. I mean, who does that anymore? Like prints their own photo paper. I mean, I mean, it, it, that stuff still does sell, mm-hmm. but I picked these up for a dollar each and um, I had three of them. So somebody bought all three of them at once and I didn't really even have combined shipping on there and they didn't ask for it. So I just got the, all the extra on the shipping too. Oh, really? So anyways, $3 turned into over $60. Nice. And just that fast. And it was just all went in one box. Super easy to ship. Uh, and it was one of those things where it's like, man, that's just been sitting forever. And so to have a sale like that and, you know, my wife and I are considering going through our eBay shed and kind of just pulling a bunch of inventory that's like, yeah, maybe this was junk and a bad buy. And because that's small enough, I probably would have kept it. But, I, you know, those types of things where it's like, yeah, it's been up forever. I only paid a couple of dollars. Maybe just throw it away. But you never know, right? Like sometimes <laughs> it's those things that somebody looks for at some point and it goes. So, uh do it. Re- make sure you've got your your listings fresh, and uh, you never know something that's been sitting for a while could sell, and your three dollar purchase could end up being a uh, sixty dollars well, plus are, profit. Are those labels something that's commonly used anymore? Yeah, the photo is photo paper, so I thought it was like because it's Avery, so it's like the you know the labels, yeah, yeah. but it, it ended up is photo paper. Uh, I think it was Avery. I it was Avery. I so um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think people print their own photos that much anymore like they used to because it's so cheap to do and easy to do at like cvs i mean i'm sure some people still want to because they don't want other people to see their photos uh but i feel like you can go on amazon and buy photo paper for like super cheap like if i wanted photo paper i bet you can go on amazon get like a hundred you know eight by ten foot blank photo papers for less than the sixty dollars that this person paid maybe I mean, I would imagine. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe photo paper is expensive. It's, it, the paper is an interesting one because we get, we've we had Hustle of the Week where people bought like regular paper yeah. from like the 80s. I and get, yeah, that could be it too. It could be like the old stuff like had was better. Like people just know like you know, the quality of the, the stuff from that brand, Avery, at this time, these years, like those that was like the good paper and the stuff you get now is just garbage. And sometimes people just like vintage stuff. I have uh, one of my, uh, my son's friends types all his papers on a typewriter still. And he turned them in. How hipster. It is a very, but he does. He actually has a traveling typewriter he takes with him. Pretty interesting. 
Yeah, there he is. It's cool. Uh, all right. Hey, so this one, I'm so glad this finally happened. You know, when you go to the thrift and you pick up something and you're like, oh, this is a score. And then it just doesn't sell. It's a month goes by, yep. two months go by. And you're like, what What happened? So I picked up a, pel, uh, a, pel, a pair of Alden Shell Cordovan loafers. Okay. So Shell Cordovan is what you want to look out for. And and the way you can kind of see Shell Cordovan, um, a lot of the times it looks kind of has a burgundy-ish color, uh, you know, brown too, uh, but it doesn't crease. It has waves. Okay. And and people like it because it's it's uh, low in supply. It's high in demand. There's also this long like tanning process, but they keep shoes like you can have a pair of Shell Cordovan forever. And so Alden's a great brand. And so I picked up these shoes and I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to list this. And I listed high. I listed high because the size, it was like a double wide or whatever. It was extra wide. And so, you know, they're going to be the right buyer. So I listed these pretty high. I paid $20 for these shoes, but I knew what they were. Right. And the thrift store, I think kind of knew what they were, but didn't know what they were. Right. And so paid $20 and I listed on eBay for, I believe, $500. and. I waited and I waited and and I had I think I mentioned this in the previous podcast. Somebody wanted to trade Alden shoes for for those. Yeah, and, I remember that. And I'm like, I'm not going to trade these shoes. And uh, it finally sold. I had had it on sale and I had a coupon on top of it, and that twenty dollars turned into three hundred ninety one dollars plus ship. And uh, so far, so good. No returns. Uh, and I I don't believe it's going to be returned just because uh, it's it's very hard to find that shoe. So keep an eye out for Alden. Uh, there's Alden boots out there. I have another pair of Alden shoes I'm waiting to sell too, but uh, yeah, it's worth it. Like again, if if you pay very little for something and you and you know it's worth a lot, it's okay to wait a little bit because that right buyer will come along. All right, hey, before uh, we move on, there's one reason that Mike and I say so fresh and so clean, and it's because of school shaver. Yeah. And uh, school shaver, I gotta tell you, it's been it it's a lifesaver because. You know, you get that. I'm getting, I got, I'm pretty sure I got grays in there somewhere in there. Yeah, I'm getting to that point. I had someone making fun of me the other day for being bald. And I was like, what? I kind of looked at him. society are we in? Like, you think, you think I'm, uh, you know, frustrated at all that, that you're making fun of me for being bald? You know, like, I love this. This is, <laughs> I choose this. I, I skull shave this to make this look I as beautiful as it does. You made it a verb. Yeah. So, so get yourself a skull shaver. If you're a uh, bald and beautiful, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, it, it's a decision. This is something you get to choose. You get to choose to have a fresh, clean dome and or, you know, clean up whatever other hair you need to clean up because Skull Shaver has lots of different products, any kind of hair removal product you can think of and uh, lots of stuff, too. Like they've got they've got creams, shaving gels, aftershave. Uh, all kinds of stuff that that's really good for hair oils. So check out Skull Shaver. Uh, use our promo code. Uh, what's it? Hustle with a capital H and the link below. Hustle. Capital H Hustle. You'll get yourself a discount. Let them know that we sent you uh, and uh, try it. Try it. So far, all of our, our listeners who've, who've gotten one have, that has been great. They've enjoyed it. We yeah. enjoyed it. So, yeah. And if you haven't, we're welcome to, you know, send us a comment. Yeah. If, if you don't like the skull shaver, let us know. We'll get rid of them. Uh, but I doubt it <laughs> because I love mine. So the way you just said that so dismissively. All right. Let's talk about worst case scenario here with the 1%. Yeah, the first one is they have an explosive rant. And I think we've already covered this mm-hmm. ad nauseum, but they have an explosive rant. 
Okay. And after the return is offered, right? You already said, Hey, I'm sorry. It didn't work out. Or I'm sorry to meet your expectations. Here's the link to send it back. You need to go silent. Doesn't matter. They can write like paragraph upon paragraph upon paragraph. There's no need to respond. You said your piece. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not like a hundred percent like this is how you deal with it every single time. But I would say most of the time, just let it be. I mean, there may, you kind of got to read through them because they may ask a question, which eBay would want to know why you didn't answer. Like this link isn't working for me. Can you make sure, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So you do need to, to make sure that you're, you haven't just like, I, I can delete this message thread and never look at this again. Even as they continue to message, I'm going to ignore them. So you just don't need to respond to everything is the key is you need to respond to the stuff that, that potentially could become an issue if you don't answer, if they have a legitimate question or concern. But yeah, especially if it's an explosive rant. One thing I found helpful, um, you know, stuff like this, and I've just done this. I, I don't know if I've heard somebody say to do this or if I just did this one time, but I was like reading a, a upset customer or something to my wife. Like, can you believe what this customer said? And I started doing it in like a, an accent because I do lots of <laughs> goofy accents. And so I just chose like a random accent that I do. And we were both like cracking up laughing, thinking of this like customer, like ranting with this like silly accent. Oh and so like you just got to like don't take it seriously because that's the other thing is I know. I mean, I know Orlando doesn't and I've gotten to the place in my life where I don't anymore. But there are... I'm sure many of our listeners out there, when you get the stuff where it's, it's almost feels personal, it's hard. It's hard to sleep sometimes. I mean, uh, I've had, it's still hard when it's like something like a, a parent, like a customer or not a customer. Uh, like I did something with a student, um, you know, I, I graded something and they felt like it was unfair and the parents are calling me out and they're, they're questioning my ability to be a good teacher. Th- those things kind of stick to you a little bit. Cause you're like, man, like I, I take pride in this and this, this parent that I've, I've been trying to develop a relationship with. And so I know there are people who lose sleep and they get upset. Don't let it, don't get upset, read it in a funny voice or, you know, ignore it or whatever it is that you've got to do, but stay silent and just don't let it, let it roll off your back. Agreed. Agreed. Now the next one, uh, negative feedback, right? You'll, if you get negative feedback, make sure you do these steps first. First of all, if they haven't contacted you at all, Right. You could call eBay and I've done it sometimes. And I said, hey, this person never reached out. They just left me a negative feedback and they've removed it. Or you, you can go through uh, the eBay seller help and you can ask for it to be removed. But the the better practice is to message them. Hey, I saw that you left a negative feedback. It seems, you know, you weren't happy with your purchase. Uh, here's a link below for you to return it. Uh, and, you know, let me make this right. And then if, you know, I request at the end, if you could, you know, update your feedback. You could do that. Now, be careful because on it depends on how much you sell. You can only do feedback revision so many times via the eBay site, right? So, for example, I think I have like five on one of my stores. I can only do it five times a year. And so, you know, I, I try to measure if it's something that I need eBay to step in. I usually go down that road because it doesn't count those, right? But if it's something you can handle between you and and the buyer it's better to do it that way mike and i have talked about this before you don't want to call ebay every single opportunity you want to make it something that is like something you you there's nothing else you can do you've done everything right and this person refused to to remove the feedback then you do it but got to make sure you message got to make sure you offer uh the return and then if things don't get resolved or let's say the best thing they could do, there's two things that a buyer can do that can help you out. Number one is they could say, 
you know, before they give you the negative feedback, they could say, Hey, uh, if, if you don't, you know, give me the refund, I'm going to leave you negative feedback that you have feedback extortion. And so that's great. Or even after the fact, you know, you offer them everything and they're like, you know, no, unless, you know, let's say you offer a partial refund. They're like, unless it's full, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to revise this feedback. You've won again. Right. Because again, feedback extortion. So, and there's ways to use language to get them to a place to go, okay, I, I'm agree to this or get them to get into that place where they will say, yeah, no, I'm going to, this negative feedback is because you're unwilling to give me a full refund or you're unwilling to do this. Then you have a case with eBay. So make sure you're doing everything first to reach out to that angry buyer. And then after contact eBay. Yeah. And then sometimes there, there are situations where it gets, these are like the most common bad situations that come up is an item gets lost in transit or an item really arrives broken. And you know, the customer is going to typically be upset about this. So there's a few things you can do. One, if it's lost or it hasn't shown up yet, give it some time, you know, let the customer know, Hey, you know, I'm sorry that it's running late. I've, here's the tracking information. Sometimes you can even kind of be a little bit lighthearted with them. Like, Holy cow. I can't believe it made it all the way over to, you know, I made it all the way out to Hawaii when uh, it's supposed to be going to Florida, but you know, hopefully he makes it your direction soon. You know, so you want to give them a little bit of time, let them know you're tracking it with them um, because it could, it, it could just end up arriving. And then even if it seems lost and it seems like it's not going to make it um, let them know like, Hey, let's give it, let's see what happens. You know, we could reach out to eBay afterwards. Um, so that way you're, you're giving time and space because it could just arrive and you're saving yourself a whole bunch of hassle of, dealing with, you know, filing claims and dealing with eBay. And so give it that, that space, agree with something on the customer. That's, you know, a couple more days to see if it shows up. Uh, if it still doesn't show up, then, you know, you're going to have to deal with, I typically have the customer reach out to eBay. Hey, reach out to eBay. Um, and, and most of the time they just take care of it there. Uh, so eBay will deal with them. Um, there've been times where eBay has directed them back to me and then it becomes like a little bit of like, we're jumping through hoops. Um, but if it's, uh, something like that, usually there's nothing you can do about it. You can't handle if it's a shipping issue, luckily eBay most of the time, or I would say all the time, I haven't had a shipping issue where eBay hasn't sided with me. Uh, so you're going to be fine with that. A lot of times eBay will even eat the cost. I've, I've seen that happen where eBay will eat the cost on it, especially if it's a small, you know, 40, $50 item. Uh, and then it's all just kind of washes out. Um, or they direct them to, you know, file a claim. If something arrives broken, um, I typically don't want to return if it's like shattered stuff, like, Hey, all of this stuff just is shattered. Cause I don't want them to send back broken pieces of glass mm -hmm. to me. Uh, so at that point it's often worth offering the refund and then making the claim if it was a shipping, a damage and shipping situation. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, and again, you know, I, I've said this before, it's your responsibility until the package arrives. And once a package arrives, it's no longer your responsibility. Now that doesn't mean you're done messaging. If they say, Hey, uh, I, you know, it shows the tracking shows it got delivered and I didn't receive my package. That's when you just short message. Hey, best way to find out what exactly happened is for you to contact the local post office. And that's it. And that's it. Uh, there's only so much more you can do, but if it gets damaged or it doesn't arrive, then you have to file the insurance claim and you have to refund the buyer. So just make sure you know that rule. And, and the last one, this is the, the ultimate, the 1% uh, that end up on this list. I, you know, I, I wonder how many block buyers there are, you know, in, in the history of eBay. I wonder if it's like in the thousands, right? But 
you need to block that buyer. You, you just don't want to deal with them again. Right. And it's crazy because crazy people will still buy from you again, even though they were crazy the first time. Mm. You know, I, I did have a policy before where I wouldn't block anyone. I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, they're never going to buy again or, or, you know, maybe it was just a bad, you know, scenario. And next time we'll be better. No, I've had crazy people again. I've had crazy people that have come at me from different accounts mm. And said, hey, I bought this this one time, blah, blah, blah. I want to buy this now, but it's not letting me buy on my original account. And then <laughs> as soon as they tell me that, I'll block that account. Mm. So I had one, one scenario and somebody went through two accounts to get to me because they really wanted something. And I'm like, no, I'm not selling to you. And eBay will side with you. I've had, I've had a few phone calls with eBay where somebody has bought something and they were just a lot of trouble. Like they asked a lot of questions or they already, it seemed like they already were going to return it before I ever arrived or whatever. And I've called eBay. I'm like, Hey, listen, I know it's not the norm. And I know the only options I have to cancel an item are buyer asked to cancel out of stock and address issue. Can I just, can we just cancel this? I don't feel comfortable selling this to this individual. And eBay will say, sure, it's your item. It's your product. You can, which is interesting that eBay sides with you there because they do ding you if it's out of stock or if you don't put buyer as to cancel. But you got to make sure that you protect your business. And so if that means blocking people, do that. If that means, you know, canceling a sale even after you made it and you just feel uncomfortable, do it. You know, I would say most of the time your gut is right in those circumstances. I have no scientific evidence or research to back that, but you're going to sleep better at least going, hey, you know what? Yeah, this uh, $200 item, I'm not putting at risk of a crazy buyer that may damage it or may try to return it. Mm. You know, just block them and move on. So anything you want to add to that one? I think that's good. All right. So, hey, hopefully you're only dealing with these 1% of buyers less than 99999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999